0: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel
1: and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin.
2: Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are here in Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada, enjoying the beautiful weather. We're looking outside right now. We are up on the 19th floor, the Fairmont Hotel, looking at the winter white wonderland outside.
3: We've been all over this town and as we look out right now, we can look down and see the frozen over Red River, see people skating out there. And this is one thing I love about this town is if the river freezes over, you go skating on the river. You don't complain about the cold. You don't whine about it. You just enjoy the winter. We've really enjoyed our winter here.
2: Embracing the winter. Exactly. It's really interesting. They have a very long winter. There's lots of things to do here in the winter. Like Jeff said, they don't shun from being in the outdoors. Although the city is built, it's quite interesting. A lot of bridges that bring you from place to place. So if you want to avoid the climate, you can, but everyone embraces it. They get geared up. They get out. There's skates. Some people we even talk to commute to work on their skates on the river
3: that really shows the spirit of the people here that spirit comes out every winter in something called Festival du Voyageur, a winter festival. If you want to learn more about that, we've got another episode that's specifically devoted to the festival. Check that out at TravelBrigade.com. But today we're going to focus mainly on other things to do here around Winnipeg.
2: Yes, a whole show based on winters in Winnipeg.
3: We're going to start with an interview with a guy, Don Finkbeiner. He knows his way around Winnipeg and is going to tell us some of the things to do here. And then also one of the... Tours we went on was a tour about the legislative building here and all of the hidden things that have been built in there relating back to the ancient Greeks, the ancient Egyptians, Christian symbols.
2: Think of the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> But here in Manitoba, in Winnipeg.
3: The guy who kind of figured all this out is a man named Dr. Frank Albo. It just kind of so happened we had sat down in the lobby of the Fort Derry Hotel to do an interview with Don about that. But here comes Dr. Albo.
2: It was destiny.
3: (laughs) It was destiny. And so we talked to him about that.
2: Maybe that was in the code on the building.
3: I'm sure somewhere in that building there's a thing hidden that says two American travel riders are going to come stumbling into Winnipeg and you will run across them
2: bundled up in Winnipeg. <laughs> exactly. Also on today's show, we have Paul Jordan from a place called The Forks. You might not know what The Forks is. No, it is not a utensil you eat with. We'll talk about that more in the show, as well as Chef Sean Branson. He's a local chef here. We're going to talk a little bit about the local cuisine here in Winnipeg.
3: We're also going to be speaking with Ida Albo, who is the owner of 10 Spa at the Fort Gary Hotel, and we had an amazing hamam experience there, which was unlike any other spa I've ever been to.
2: As a matter of I'm ready to postpone our flight back home to go back to the Hammam. I want to advance to my 101 and my advanced Hammam. I did the introduction to Hammam, and it was amazing.
3: Before we get to all that, we first need to do what is usually termed Hot Topics, our travel news segment.
2: That's true. Was it today?
3: Today, in honor of Winnipeg and the winter, we're doing Cold Topics.
2: Nice. I like it. Cold Topics coming up next.
3: Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
2: We'll be right back.
4: What's hot? What's not? What's trending? Next up this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome
2: back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show here. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin in wintry Winnipeg.
3: This is the segment of the show we usually call Hot Topics, but today... (laughs) Today, in honor of where we're at and what time of year it is, we're going to call it Cold Topics.
2: Yes, Cold Topics in Travel.
3: I wanted to focus on something that could kind of relate to our experience here. Yeah. And I found a good article by Ed Hewitt on independenttraveler.com, and it was kind of an article I looked at before we came here because it was about how to pack for the cold weather.
2: Yeah, we were a little nervous about packing for the weather because I, I don't know that I always go into the extremes. And, you know, it is really important
3: to pack well. His article is more extensive than what we're going to go over, but there were three points that I really wanted to hit on that I think are important, that are your three most important. Now, obviously, you want to layer up and everything, but his first thing was your hat is kind of your key to your happiness. <laughs> if your head and your face are cold, you're cold. Get a really good wool hat. might want to even get a face mask if you're in someplace kind of windy, you know, make sure you've got something that covers your ears don't make it too big and bulky and everything like that but just kind of snug to the body
2: I've noticed that's kind of a good key too.
3: really effective that is your key to happiness is if your head is warm now the other thing if you're gonna go big and heavy on one thing do it on boots because if your feet are cold yeah, you're going to be miserable too.
2: Jeff can attest just a few weeks ago, we were at an ice castle and I made the mistake of not properly wearing the proper shoe wear. They're decent boots, but not like really heavy boots. And I couldn't even handle it. We were there less than an hour and going through this place and I couldn't wait to get in a vehicle, take my boots off and put the heater on. I was to the point where I couldn't think
3: I was so uncomfortable. So don't skimp on the boots. No okay. skimping on the boots. I brought my
2: good boots here.
3: (laughs) The other thing is if you've got a good coat that you know you can get on and off that's easy to store when you've got it off easy to get on and off but very very warm when you're getting in and out of places
2: and layering like we talked about before you know a couple of layers thin layers underneath your pants and whatever really helps so when you are inside you can kind of strip down a little bit and keep yourself on temperature whether it's gloves or layering we were actually really fortunate this trip Canada Goose which is a huge company up here in Canada does these amazing you know all winter gear jackets parkas everything And they geared us up for this trip, and we have been nothing but warm and toasty. Canada Goose, we will put them on our hot sheet for today's show. A link to all of their gear, and it was great. So thank you, Canada Goose, for taking good care of us on this
3: trip to Winnipeg. Well, while we were out and about in the cold, we had a great time at several places. And coming up, we're going to have a guide named Don Finkbeiner, who's going to tell us about some of the great places to visit here. We're also going to talk with Dr. Frank Albo, who is an expert on the hermetic code at the Manitoba legislature. Building. This is a legislative building that he kind of stumbled onto. There are all these different signs and messages from thousands of Think of kind of like the of Da Vinci Code, back. for those yeah. of you who've
2: seen that movie. If you're really interested in that architectural sort of clues to what things mean, this is truly amazing.
3: And it, w- it was really fascinating when we went on the tour. So we'll hear from him as well.
2: You're listening to Travel Brigade. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter at Travel Brigade, our Facebook, Travel Brigade. And we've been Instagramming this trip, so check our Instagram out at Travel Brigade.
3: We will be right back.
4: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin. We are in the Fort Gary Hotel. It's a beautiful hotel. It's very busy, people coming in and out. It's actually the hotel that is the headquarters for the festival. We have been here for the last few days here in Winnipeg, going around the city, checking things out. There's so much to do when you're here in Winnipeg. We're going to talk a little bit about that today.
3: We've called in an expert to help us. We've got Don Finkbeiner here. He is a tour guide here in Winnipeg. And tell us a little bit about the history of this city and how at one point it was sort of the Chicago of the North.
5: Thank you. Uh, actually, the uh, the city, the history of the city goes back at least six thousand years. It's well, it's the center of the continent, which is the crossroads uh, of the continent. It's actually the very very geographical center of North America. The city uh, boomed. Basically, the the real uh, the real glory of the city was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when it was known as the Chicago of the North. This city was booming. There were more millionaires per capita than even New York City, and what's left now is the remnants is this is the exchange district which has buildings that go back to the late 1800s early 1900s or or within the short distance of three or four blocks there were 20 banks in the turn of the last century they predicted the population of the city to increase to about 4 million which was amazing but it it was the top city in in Canada at one time so it was historically very significant at the turn of the last century
2: we're actually staying at the Fairmont Winnipeg and through out one of the windows we can see this incredible new building being being built. The architecture looks very modern and we've heard it's a new museum that's going to be opening up in the fall. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
5: This is this world-class Canadian Museum for Human Rights. This is a new building. It uh, should be open in September and it's basically dedicated to the understanding of human rights issues throughout the world. And it is an educational structure. It's a, it's a structure that's going to provide an environment for discussion of human rights. It's going to have stories of past human rights and going into the future of how things can improve for from humanity's point of view it's the brainchild of the Asper family who felt division vision from their father to wanting this kind of a, an amazing museum the architect was a guy by the name of Anton Predock from uh, New Mexico we actually incorporated the landscape of Canada in this unbelievable building, everything from the prairies right through to the mountains, to northern lights, to glaciers, etc. It Actually, the top part shows the wings of a dove. It is, is really going to be a unique building uh, dedicated to the understanding and uh, of, of human rights issues uh, throughout the world. Continuing on with new things to do here in Winnipeg, tell us a little bit about the Journey to Churchill. The Journey to Churchill is a new exhibit that's being opened at Assiniboine Park, and it'll be a 10-acre site. Sub- dedicated to basically the understanding of polar bear and the environment and the ecology of, of northern Manitoba. And it'll be an educational and also scientific research study of the different fauna and flora of the north, and in particular with the polar bears. And it'll be, uh, it's an amazing exhibit and it'll allow people to come in and understand the different species of the north. So it'll be truly, uh, it's based on conservation and it's a way of incorporating the scientific and conservation aspects to the general public and their understanding of uh, the fauna and flora and and the results of climate change and how that will impact on it. It'll be a phenomenal exhibit. And
2: just like a lot of big cities, Winnipeg's not for a lack of festivals throughout the year. Tell us a little bit about some of the different festivals that draw people to come here and what types of things that they might be interested in doing or planning ahead for.
5: For festivals, we are booming with festivals actually, and you've just been to the Festival de Voyageur, which is an embracement of the historical fur trade era in a in a winter setting. And in the summer, we have what they call folkrama which is a two week festival which which gives an example of the ethnic diversity of Winnipeg, in which there are forty to fifty different kind of ethnic groups that have pavilions and where people go, and it's a way of seeing the world through the eyes of Winnipegers. Also, we have uh, the Folk Fest. There's a major folk festival in the summer. We also have Fringe Festival, a jazz festival, like most major cities who have numerous festivals to keep people interested. This is, pound for pound, a really important city when it comes to festivals.
3: Thank you very much, Don. One thing Don spent time showing us was the Manitoba Legislative Building and its incredible hermetic code. Luckily, while Don was a great expert on that, we've also been able to get an interview with Dr. Frank Albo, who is the man who sort of uncovered all of this a few years ago. And so coming up, we've got that interview. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
2: You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or TravelBrigade.com, and we'll be right back.
4: or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are here in the lovely Fort Gary Hotel, sitting here in the lobby, and we have some exciting interviews coming up. We've been around town looking at these beautiful buildings and architecture, and we just spent a couple of hours at the Manitoba Legislative Building, listening to all sorts of information about the architecture and all of the amazing designs that are there.
3: This is an incredible building, and until not too far in the past, people kind of looked at it and said, huh, I wonder why there's a statue of Medusa here, or I wonder why there's a statue of Hermes on the top of this building, or I wonder why there are eight columns on this floor. And one day, a college student named Frank Albo had an assignment to find ancient architecture in a modern building, and he decided to figure out, why is there a sphinx on my local legislative building? And he went down the rabbit hole from there and found some pretty incredible stuff. So we welcome, we're really lucky, pure chance we happen to have Dr. Frank Albo here and tell us about how you got started on this fascinating journey.
1: Well, thank you for a very impromptu encounter. I wasn't expecting to come into my sister's frigid hotel and uh, have this opportunity to share about the mysteries of the Manitoba Legislative Building. But alas, uh, here we are, and in many things related to that building and architecture in general, sometimes destiny plays a higher role. So uh, with regards to your question, it happened by sheer accident. I was desperately looking for a thesis topic for a paper, which was predicated on this question. Find some remnant of ancient magic in a modern context and I drew a blank until by chance I spotted these two Egyptian sphinxes that flanked the the front entrance of this building and I thought to myself what on earth are these embodiments of the sun god doing in the frigid prairies of um, Winnipeg And then that simple question many years ago caused a a cascade of many other uh, related questions that uh, resulted in a 10-year investigation to get into the mind of this brilliant architect named Frank Worthington Simon and to understand more properly the um, architectural secrets and mysteries and ideologies encoded in this building.
2: So for some of you, I mean, one of the things that they talk about here is the Da Vinci Code and just how similar kind of decoding the building is. There's tours where you can go and decode the building. There's books that are about decoding the building, and it's just it's fascinating. We were there for a couple of hours, and I think you could have just spent a whole day, if not days, going through the building.
3: And it's kind of fascinating. We've got ancient Rome, ancient Greece, the Egyptians, the Masons. I don't know. Who am I leaving out kind of talk about how that all plays together.
1: From an architectural standpoint, if you were to look at the building aesthetically, it would be considered like hodgepodge. That is, it has a conglomeration of many different traditional styles and norms that you wouldn't find normally introduced in a singular building. But here, as you rightfully noted, there's Egyptian, Masonic, Greek, Babylonian references, even ancient Hindu references in the building's aesthetics. What um, uh, previous historians have thought is that it was simply eclectic, that there was no uh, formal language to its design. But when I began to look at many different uh, facets of its style, and um, in particular, the the architect's training, I realized that it wasn't just hodgepodge, but it was actually a very sophisticated language, esoteric language of architecture. Let's start with one feature in particular. On the dome of the building is a naked boy encased in gold and most people just nod here and proverbially we call him the golden boy and that's it uh, i found is, is that the golden boy was actually a reference to the greek god hermes who in esoteric philosophy had bequeathed a whole body of knowledge and literature related to magic and what we would today call although it's probably uh, an inappropriate term the occult the architect was steeped in this knowledge and decided to use this building as a tableau to narrate this history of world architecture but in a very esoteric way. So the idea is is that as you walk through the building and what he had hoped is is that the building would make you more intelligent, better balanced and altogether more civilized. Maybe Don had mentioned that. And so it's that that sounds almost ridiculous. What do you mean a building could do this? And if you look at the building in a particular way and you decipher its language step by step, it does lead to this kind of moral advancement and purification, which he was hoping would have an effect you could say subliminally, on the the people that enact law in the building.
3: That's a lot to hope for from legislators. But as you went through this, at what point did you go from merely, oh, there's a few odd things here that are kind of thrown together to, wow, this is something really big. This is something that people will write books about. This is something that thousands of tourists will want to come see and learn about.
1: That is a good question. And sadly to report, uh, I don't have anything too glamorous other than I just uh, maintained my way to me, it was more of a personal odyssey. I wanted to make sure that rigorously I understood what this genius had placed and deposited in my hometown. And very fortunately, I found that he was actually giving me a, a lesson of advancement because I ended up taking four graduate degrees trying to get into uh, his mind. And along the way, I end up publishing this book, and now we offer tours. And I think, if, if anything, it's been a beacon of national pride and hopefully international pride that we have a building unlike any other building that I know of in the world, and that is a building that, on the surface, is meant to do one thing but in effect its real purpose is much greater and that purpose is to make people literally better people
3: if you want to find out more about this amazing book and building we will have links on our hot sheet at travelbrigade.com. just go to there and click on the hot sheet for today's show and we'll have some links there that'll get you to where you want to go stay tuned you're listening to travel brigade your weekly travel and destination show follow us on twitter at travel brigade
4: we'll be right back You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at travelbrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin in wintry Winnipeg. We're actually up here on the 19th floor at the Fairmont Hotel overlooking the beautiful city all draped in white. And when we drive by and see snow, we're not talking about a few little inches of snow. We're actually talking about feet of snow on parts of this place and it's amazing how the cars get around everyone's got these amazing snow tires everyone's bundled up in their gear and it's just just quite amazing
3: We've seen people out jogging riding bikes through the snow winter will not defeat these people
2: No it won't and what's really funny we were just talking in a couple segments previous about Canada Goose they geared us up for the show and here you know in the US or other countries you know, some people have heard of that, but here it's like a staple. If you don't have a Canada goose jacket or parka, you're really kind of missing it Kind of noticed. <laughs> so I think we're going to go back to the States and start setting the trend.
3: One thing I love about when you visit a city and you go someplace and it kind of gives you the whole spirit of the people there, like right in one place, and that place here is called the Forks. It's where the Red and Assiniboine Rivers come together.
2: Again, it's not a utensil. It's the fork in the river. I was going to say, it's kind of funny because what it reminds me of is... Like all the action, like people have different parts of the city where, like, the action is the Times Square, shall you say, of the city. It's on the river.
3: One thing I love about uh, cities with rivers is they're great gathering places, and there's no exception here, only that the time they really like to gather is in the winter when the rivers are frozen over. You go out there, and there's a huge long skating course. It holds the world's record for longest naturally frozen skating course. There are ice hockey rinks along it, and you just go out there, and and that's what people go do. About 20,000 people a day on a weekend.
2: And What's the accessory here in Winnipeg? Is it a hat? Is it gloves? Is it a parka? It's skates. It's skates. You actually have skates. We walk around and people have skates like thrown over their shoulders. It's hysterical. Like I've never been in a city that just sort of embraces this winter wonderland. You know, people, I see them with snowshoes on their backpacks and I see them with skates and I just think it's amazing. Our next interview coming up with Paul Jordan, it was hysterical. He had his skates and he commutes to work a couple of miles a day on the river in his skates.
3: Yeah, we're going to be talking with Paul about the Forks area where there are a lot of shops, restaurants, things like that. It's a great gathering place.
2: And a market almost like Pike's Place if you've been to Seattle.
3: We're also going to speak with Chef Sean Branson for our Gotta Eat segment. He has a restaurant here in town and he also handles the food and catering at Fort Gibraltar throughout the year. And that's a big place during the Festival du Voyageur. which again, there's an episode about that if you check out TravelBrigade.com. But coming up, we're going to speak with Paul Jordan from the Forks and then we're going to speak with Chef. Sean Branson.
2: You're listening to Travel Brigade's weekly travel and destination show. Check us out on Twitter at Travel Brigade, Instagram, or our website, TravelBrigade.com.
3: We will be right back.
4: Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin. We've been here in Winnipeg enjoying all the things there are to do in the city and in the winter time it's beautiful and white and we are now at
3: the Forks. The Forks is where two rivers here in Winnipeg meet. And you know what I love about these people here is, if the rivers freeze over, you go skate on them. You don't, you don't just, you know, hang out and say, "Well, we're going to wait till spring." You go out skating on them, and you uh, put a nice little shopping market right next to it. Here to tell us more about it is Paul Jordan. And Paul, give us a little bit of a history here about the Forks Market in this area.
0: The Forks site has been around for six thousand years when the uh, great glaciers left and people started moving in. But uh, it's been a, it's been a meeting place for. Thousands of years, the fur trade all came through here. The rail, the railroads, and uh, you know it's Winnipeg's Winnipeg's heart. So the Red and the Cinnabon are why we're here. Uh, they meet big historical rivers. And uh, in about 1989, this was uh, we reclaimed an old brownfield, an old railway brownfield. All these buildings were old railway buildings. The site was a, was a bombed out site, and we've uh, been developing it for the last 20 years.
2: We are sitting here above the public market. You can see there's there's lots of people down eating different foods from different places. Tell us a little bit about the market itself
0: well the market is a uh an interesting beast in a hundred year old building that was designed originally as a stables this is where all the horses were kept and they would take goods out to the city of winnipeg after railways would dump off their goods and it's been converted into this public market so it's a mix of retail uh fast food and uh fresh food and uh you know interesting organic bakers those kind of things And it's just uh, become a real, become Winnipeg's largest community club, really. People just come down here to recreate and hang out and uh, partake of all the the stuff they can buy here.
3: We're sitting next to the world's longest naturally frozen skating course here, uh, about five kilometers each way, three miles for Yankees. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how people go about getting out there and skating if there's skate rentals here and what are some of the other things they can do here out on the river? Well when we uh, became the longest trail in the world
0: about 5 or 6 years ago it really exploded people started not only locally but all uh nationally started to see became quite interested in in what was going on here it's a very interesting skate because you can literally skate right through the downtown it hooks up all the big residential areas on either side of the downtown so it's an interesting thing you see people skating recreation recreationally you see people skating commuting that's how I get to work uh, I leave my house and skate to work and back again uh so there's it it's used a bunch of ways but in now there's about five layers that have started up on top of this this trail it started with the you know the sports and the recreation we do lots of curling and hockey and ice bike races and all those kind of things that happen uh, over the winter but you know now we have this big art and architecture competition it's gone international uh you know we even had frank gary down here competing you know he built his warming hut we've got this big music series that happens it's going on today as a matter of fact you can go to all these huts and some of manitoba's greatest bands are playing in them there's uh you know a fashion show going on right now and for the last three weeks we had uh, Fine dining. We had this pop up restaurant. It's an expensive ticket. You go down, and some of the greatest chefs in Canada were cooking. And uh, so it's interesting how a skating trail has morphed into this complete
3: exhibition of the arts uh, in Winnipeg. One thing I love, I think every city should be located on a river because it gives people a natural gathering place. And especially to be able to do it in the winter is a great thing. And tell us a little bit about this warming huts competition and how often are the warming huts along the trail and how many people do they hold? And these really are like fine art
0: The way the uh, Warming
3: Hut competition works is, well, actually about five
0: years ago, a bunch of young local architects in Winnipeg came to me with this idea of just creating these different huts, you know, something cool, interesting to look at. And uh, so we did it for that one year and it was extremely popular. You know, from there it turned into an international competition. So we have uh, five spots every year. One is an invited architect uh, that we invite. One year we invited Frank Gehry and he showed up and built the hut. And then there's a U of M entry, a University of Manitoba entry, and then there's three Three other spots that are competed for internationally. So this year we had over 200 entries from all over the world: uh, Israel, Norway, Russia, United States, all competing to build one of these huts. So um, every year we run that competition. Every year we have five new huts. Uh, some of them, you know, don't like Frank Gary's melted, so they don't always go from year to year. So uh, we've got 15 to 17 huts out there right now. So if you go for a skate, uh, you know, the skate is about 10 clicks. You. Uh, we'll Seven miles six miles uh, every so often you'll see a warming hut some of them you can actually warm up in some of them just warm you up by looking at them so it's it's uh, it's art and architecture on a frozen river
3: so what would be if, if somebody said hey i I'm, I'm coming in for the day, what would be the perfect day here at the forks that you would want to do
0: if you wanted the perfect day you'd really have to uh, watch the weather forecast. <laughs> I would say a minus 10 Celsius day, and anything warmer than that is perfect if you're an out of towner. Uh, Winnipeggers go out in lots colder than that, but we're a little more used to it. But uh, minus 10 Celsius, I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit anymore, but uh, is a great temperature for skating. And uh, you know, if you came during the week, you'd get really, really good ice because not a lot of people have been on it yet. If you come during the weekend, you'll see lots of people, but the ice gets kind of beat up. We groom it every day, but uh, the more people that get on it, like for instance today, there's probably 20,000 people skating on it, so it gets uh, it gets beat up pretty quickly. But tomorrow morning we'll have it all fresh and ready to go, and uh, there'll be another 20,000 tomorrow because there's a holiday. And then uh, we're seeing about two hundred and fifty to 300,000 people over six weeks skating on that trail. So it depends what you want. If you want all the color and the noise, today would be a great day. If you want to just go for a pure speed skate, you know, sometime in, during the middle of the week and a really cold day, you can re- you have it all to yourself.
2: Paul, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm actually uh, checking things out at the market right now, and I can't decide how many different places I can get in to eat why we're here. I hit a few of those. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Check us out on Twitter at Travel Brigade or our website, TravelBrigade.com.
4: We will be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. We are in wintry Winnipeg having a great time exploring the city. And of course, this is our segment, You Gotta Eat, because when you're in a city, you gotta eat. There's so much to do here. One thing that's really interesting for a lot of our audience is understanding the difference between some specialties that are Canadian, particularly Manitoban. We're going to talk a little bit about that today.
3: We have brought in Chef Sean Branson. He is with Promenade Cafe and Wine here in Winnipeg. Sean, tell us a little bit about some Canadian dishes that people should try when they come to Canada. So uh, for
6: in Canada, we have a lot of uh, different things. We have a lot of game uh, meats and, and different unique uh, things, certainly uh, beef, uh, pork, chicken, and all those things. But we also have the access to venison, elk, uh, and bison and things like that. We actually have a number of bison ranches in the area. They're not uh, free reign. They don't go running around in, in your backyard and stuff like that, the deer may, but not the bison. Over the years, over the 30 years that I've been in the uh, restaurant industry, uh, we served a lot of different things including the wild game meats like elk venison and bison and what we did was um we used to serve tenderloin and strip loin of bison for local farmers who wanted to keep it local but then there was a six-month period where the farmers weren't giving us product And we, i talked to the farmer and said um so what's the deal you have bison they couldn't move the rest of the, the animal uh, so we had uh, decided to buy the ground sirloin and, and meat and the different things to help the farmer out. We have bison burgers, we have torch we have bison meatballs and those kind of things to help them out. We know where the farm is. It's uh, about two and a half hours away from our city and it's processed there and uh, we're able to use it nice and local. But then other other meats are also very high quality. It's just our, a lot in Manitoba. It's very lush and have a lot of uh, good things to feed them, and uh, they just taste good.
2: Are there uh, particular dishes that uh, a visitor that comes here to Winnipeg might expect when they come here, that it's a local dish that they might not get in the U.S. or in Europe somewhere else?
6: Well, there certainly are a couple of things that are in it's uh, tied to some of our French heritage and some of the other heritage of the immigrants that came here, much like in in the U.S., but we have a more kind of northern feel. One of the things that we have in Winnipeg, and certainly in the French Quarter, is poutine. Poutine is a dish uh, with uh, French fries, gravy, and cheese curds, and um, it's uh, quite uh, delicious, and we also uh, have a lot of uh, great fishing in the area, so we have, uh, we have uh, pickerel, uh, and which is walleye, of course. Uh, pickerel called it here, but well, walleye of the rest of the world. There's something called goldeye as well, which is a northern fish that is smoked, that is uh, quite uh, delicious.
2: We actually have gone to a few festivals throughout the Canadian provinces and territories, and we've noticed there's always a mini-donut place and there's always beaver tails. We love them both, but that's really, really funny. Let's talk a little bit about the dining scene in Winnipeg, some of the restaurants there, some of the popular places to go. Uh, We talked a little bit about embracing this whole winter wonderland that you have a good portion of the year. Tell us a little bit about that.
6: The one thing about Winnipeg is we have a lot of restaurants. So there's a lot of different sort of things from our heritage and different restaurants. Uh, We have a lot of uh, local foods such as pierogies, those kind of things. We actually at the restaurant have pierogies that we stuff with uh, uh, Mush Love Day Mushrooms, which is a mushroom plant not too far away. Uh, we have um, a lot of uh, chefs that work together, not only uh, in the high-end restaurants and, and country clubs towards causes such as Share Our Strength, which is a, uh, an event a food related event that was found in the states. So we get together and do a lot of those things. Something that's new as well, we have a uh, pop-up restaurants. One of the newest restaurants it started last year is called Raw and Almond, and it's actually a restaurant that popped up in a tent at the at the juncture of the Red River and Assiniboine River. This is the, uh, the junction that was so important to the founding of Winnipeg because that's where the two places connect. That they built a, a fort called Fort Gibraltar, and that's where they did the fur trade and the pemmican trade. Certainly pemmican is something that is not as enjoyable it's uh, about 15% uh, dried meat, usually bison meat, and then they mix uh, some a couple of dried berries that they can find around, and the rest was fat. It was the power bar of the Voyageur, We're actually Promenade Cafe and Wine has a uh, food in one of the tents uh, at Festival, and we have a pork eater hot dog, which is a 8-inch uh, hot dog topped with pulled pork, uh, some coleslaw to, to cut all the porky goodness, and then pemmican uh, sprinkles on top. Pemmican's something that you need to do uh, just in small amounts, for about four years, been trying to find really good example this is the best we got we even tried using duck fat and uh, and, dry, and, and and dried bison and stuff like that but uh, i think we've got it down pat here so there's certainly everything is uh, fresh local uh, well certainly uh, things that are from around here but we have a lot of culture in Winnipeg and we embrace the different cultures and have little food spins on uh, on many of our ingredients
3: i think that shows the spirit of Winnipeg that if the river freezes over you go put a pop-up restaurant on the river. We're going to have contact info for Ron Almond that Sean mentioned, as well as his restaurant, Promenade Cafe and Bar. We're going to have that on our website, TravelBrigade.com, on our hot sheet. Sean, thank you so much for taking time with us. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade.
4: We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in wintry Winnipeg, this beautiful white wonderland. We've been experiencing so many things. We just talked about some amazing dining here in town. We haven't had a lack of eating.
3: And some wonderful things to eat. I think I could just live on the poutine and on the maple or sugar pie.
2: After all these experiences being out in the winter, we had to go and enjoy one of the most hottest experiences in town.
3: We went to the hammam at 10 Spa and had the introduction to hammam experience. Now, we're just beginners at hammam. We are. But we want to learn more. (laughs) It's It's completely different from any other experience I've ever had at a spa.
2: Ritualistic.
3: You start with just... Sitting in a warm room having some tea to get warmed up and then you go into Turkish
2: delight and Turkish delight
3: and then you go into a hotter room where you kind of begin to sweat and so you put some salt on your skin to kind of cleanse your pores
2: yeah and then you shower lay on a slab they actually wash you it is just it is the most incredible experience and i and we've been to a lot of spas
3: when we say they wash you, they don't just turn a hose on you like your mom used to do when you had been playing <laughs> in the mud before you yeah, came really. in the house. Yeah, really. Don't
2: come in the house like that? that. How would you explain them? Bowl. bowls. Yeah. that They just, and some of them, do you, you notice know when they did the two-hand thing? And they were like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just. It was hot. (laughs) I mean, really, one thing I noticed when we got there is how many couples were there. I mean, we've gone to spots before, and there's usually like one or two men. But I mean, this, I think it was probably almost even, wouldn't you say?
3: Yes. And they pour different types of water in terms of the temperature on you at different times, different parts of your body. It's a whole experience that takes almost 45 minutes.
2: Actually, I timed ours, and it was an hour and 10 minutes from the tea to the room to the Turkish Delight to the ritual and then back to the quiet relaxation room. It really is a whole experience.
3: As we mentioned, we're just hammam beginners. We've got a hammam expert coming up. We're going to be talking with Ida Albo, who is the owner of the 10 Spa. She's going to tell us more about it and how 10 Spa came to develop this amazing treatment.
2: You've been listening to Travel Brigade. We'll have the information for all of these people we've been interviewing with and activities that we've been doing on our hot sheet for today's show. Check out our website, TravelBrigade.com. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade and check out some photos on Instagram.
3: We will be right back.
4: for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel
2: Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. We've been in Winnipeg for days. And I've just had, you know, we're talking about the cold weather and all the cold things. And I just had the most warming, sensational experience pretty much of my life.
3: We did that when we did the introduction to hammam at 10 Spa. Here in the Fort Gary Hotel, we've had the good fortune to go to a lot of spas, and they've all got their own niche. And some have, you know, great massages. Some have a great relaxation room. This, I don't even want to call it a spa experience because it doesn't really even do it ritualistic. justice.
2: Ritualistic. Okay. I'm going to go with ritualistic. It know, was so
3: amazing. Bordering on the religious.
2: Yes. I'm going to come worship on a regular basis, actually.
3: Here to explain it much better than we can is Ida Albo, the owner of 10 Spa. And, Ida, tell us how you came up with this idea for this hammam experience, which uh, really blew my mind, I've got to say.
7: I convinced my husband that we needed a spa um, on the 10th floor of the hotel. It was a floor we weren't using. And uh, as we were developing out the space and the program, the treatments, we wanted some things that were different. And he's a big researcher, and so I doesn't let me do anything without a very, very rigorous research component. And so we ended up in Germany looking at um, artisanal steam rooms. And the supplier asked if we'd ever tried hammam. No, we didn't even know what it was. And so we ended up at the Mathilden Hammam in Munich. And I was like, Oh my God! It was. exactly like you said you know spiritual ritual It's everything about it and so we were leaving the next day got my husband to come try a treatment and right when they opened and we finished the treatment and he was so very excited because he said finally you'll get some men in that bar you're building because <laughs> they'll come for that and so that led us on a journey to uh, Istanbul to Paris to London Miami New York because we looked at the concept of bathhouse. because really it is a bathhouse, but it's kind of a roman bathhouse, and so we ended up um kind of developing a hybrid from all of the treatments that we saw and one of the things that we didn't want to do is we had some hamams and some you know the ritz carlton in istanbul has a beautiful hamam but the treatment's sanitized it's very and but when you go to the hamams in istanbul or the one in munich it's the treatment's a bit raw like the one you would have had and so the trick was keeping the ritual keeping it not too sanitized where it was, and I don't mean sanitized and not clean, I mean in terms of where you just don't get the authenticity of the treatment. And so we made sure people, you know, with the Pesh mouths and making sure the massage, and you didn't have the the they graduate, we graduate you from intro to hamam to hamam 101, and then to fully load it. And when you get into the those other treatments, you get into the gommage and the scrub, and, and those are the treatments that are make it even more special.
2: Like you said, we did the intro to hamam, which was perfect for us because we had no idea what we were doing when we got there. We had this great guy, Ryan, who actually helped us out during the, the time that we were there. Tell us, when you have a client that's coming into intro to hammam, what to expect as far as going through the basics, as far as, you know, going through changing, but what you wear, kind of the process of the whole thing, and then maybe talk, we'll talk a little bit about the graduation process and what things you can do after an intro to hammam.
7: The intro to hammam is, you. the uniform is a peshmal, which is uh, like a cotton towel, and uh, it's meant to get wet and it's meant to, when it's wet, to cling to your body. And so the ritual begins in a kind of an atrium room where the seats are heated, but it's not that hot. So we start, we start getting you acclimatized to going into a hot steam room where you're gonna be for probably anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on the treatment that you're having. And part of that is just making sure you're hydrated. So we serve some fresh mint tea. And then um, we also provide some, uh, we make our own Turkish delight, which was part of the ritual that we experienced actually in the one in Munich, which was run by Turks. So then you're on a hot marble slab, and as your body's heating because it's not it's ambient heat, like it's not a steam room. the the walls are heated, the benches are heated, and the only steam that's created is when we use a lot of water on you during the treatment. and as we're pouring the water, that's where the ambient steam part's coming in. So it's really gentle. It's it's so kind of a combination between a sauna and a steam room, but like the perfect combination of the two. And so as part of the intro to hammam, uh, we include a foot massage. We in include a massage and a scalp massage, and then always ending it with a cold rinse to close your pores. And part of the treatment is also the relaxation component afterwards. And so that's when we take you into the quiet lounge and you enjoy some iron, which is a salted yogurt drink to put some electrolytes back in and just to keep you. And and what we find is is we say with people, it is a very detoxifying experience. And so that's the intro part. The full treatment is now that your pores are open and you've been sweating for a while, we put you on a private treatment bed and that's where we take a keese and it's like a linen mitt and you'd be very surprised and sometimes embarrassed of how much skin can come off when you start taking that rough mitt and start scrubbing you from the tip of your toes to the kind of all the way, your back everywhere. And what I find interesting, and I always ask our therapists, is how are people with draping when it comes to that component? And 90% of the people say, don't worry about draping me. Just scrub me down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we take off all the um, kind of a, give you a fr- fresh uh, skin, and then we go into olive oil soap. Bath. And so my, I guess the best way to explain it is, you know, when you had your little baby and you used to bathe them in those little plastic tubs and you just kind of clean. And we clean you like that. We're <laughs> full of bubbles and full of this soft pillow full of olive oil, soap, sun. And so that's 101. And then the fully loaded, and that was the treatment that I first experienced at the and Hammam, is where they, the therapist now incorporates massage, not only as they're doing the soap massage, but afterwards. So then you end with a soapy massage but part of the massage treatment are stretches that they do and the therapist actually gets up on the treatment table and does some applied stretches kind of like if you know what a Thai massage is something like that so there's a there's that component to it as well and by then you really do need to rest and you really are detoxified and you really can't do much else after the fully loaded. Again, for all these cold activities, we've been
2: participating in Winnipeg the last few days. This was really the hottest experience in many ways. (laughs) There were so many couples there. There were so many men there. It was just a really, really
3: great experience from head to toe. And I really like part of it was before they washed us off, we put salt on our bodies to kind of, I guess, to kind of cleanse. And then you're lying down in somebody's pouring water on you on different areas of your body and the sensation is and you're in this hot room the sensation is really intense
2: yeah it really is it's such a great experience of course there's traditional treatments at 10 spa as well we will have their contact information on our hot sheet for today's show you're listening to travel brigade your weekly travel and destination show check us out on our website travel brigade.com or follow us at twitter at travel brigade
3: we will be right back
4: always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin, in wintry Winnipeg. As you can see, there is so much to do here. We've done activities, we've done festivals, we've done dining, and the nice, warm, ritualistic hammam.
3: It's time for He Said, She Said, where we each pick our three favorite things about a particular destination, and She Said always goes first.
2: Well, I just want to say here in Winnipeg, it was the Winnipeg Sort of the surprise of Winnipeg. I think maybe because I knew that the climate was severe. I wasn't sure how people sort of embraced it. And I think it was just a huge, nice surprise coming here, realizing that no, the fun does not stop because we live in a pretty severe climate. We actually enjoy the climate. We come out in the climate. We plan activities in the climate. We embrace the climate. We live in the climate. We do festivals around the climate. And that was just, I don't know, just a big surprise to me. And I think it was a huge surprise, so it's a great time to visit during the winter, and I just kind of really just wasn't sure what to expect, and it was a pleasant surprise.
3: Yeah, my number three is along those same lines, the attitude of the people here. If it's snowing, if there's ice on the ground, you just you still go out jogging, you still go out riding your bike, and you especially go out skating and, and just enjoy what you've got here.
2: My number two, uh, rolling around with, again, the sort of meeting place outdoors, is the Forks area. The Forks, of course, as we talked about before, is where the two huge rivers that um, meet here. There's a lot to do. There's a hotel there, restaurants there, a market there, the river there where all the activities, people are there playing hockey or doing different things. So just that whole Forks area you don't want to miss while you're here. And, of course, the warming huts.
3: My number two is along those same lines again, the Forks skating, just seeing everybody out there skating around, that was their way of this community coming together and it was a really great place to be.
2: My number one, talk about hot and cold. Here we're in Winnipeg all bundled up enjoying the outdoors in the winter to have the hottest experience in town, literally, at 10 Spa and the Hammam. We did the intro to Hammam. Again, it was ritualistic and it was hot. I loved every minute of it. It has to be one of my top experiences of spas in general and certainly here in Winnipeg.
3: My number one was the Hermetic Code Tour that we did at the Manitoba Legislative Building. just fascinating. I know they they could have talked for two more hours about different things. We got a book. There's a book that you can get that goes along with it, and I can't wait to read it. Just uh, the sense of uncovering layer after layer of this mystery of what's in that building.
2: We're going to put our own code in our shows to see if our listeners can figure it out.
3: We'll do that when we go on to our next destination. Join us next week for another travel destination.
2: Make sure for all the information we've talked about in today's show, it will be on our hot sheet for today's show on Winnipeg. Check out our website at TravelBrigade.com. Follow us at TravelBrigade on Twitter and check out Instagram or our Facebook page.
3: Until next week, remember, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, make sure you join us next week.
2: Thanks for listening. Enjoy the trip.
5: You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.